Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Uh, happy Sunday. My name is Grant. I'm the lead pastor here at Nashville Vineyard, and uh, there's a lot of really, really good churches in Nashville, so we don't take it lightly that you, you're here with us today. So thank you so much, and we're honored to, to have you. Uh, if you were uh, wondering, last week um, we weren't here, and, uh, and it was nice. But we really missed it. We were on vacation, uh, my wife and I, Sarah, she was on the keys today, and uh, we were celebrating our 10-year anniversary, and, uh, and so it was a lot of fun. We did it! Hooray! Um, and it was nice, and it was, uh, it was especially nice because we were able to, to do that, and, uh, and while we missed it, we did not worry. I know uh, Rick did a great job speaking, and, and Morgan, and Jordan, and everyone just helped uh, things pull off, so thank you guys so much. It is very, very good to be back, and, uh, and so we're looking forward to it. Um, so let's pray real quick, and then we will um, we'll get on with it. Father, we just thank you so much that this is your church. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. Um, we just say, have your way. And Lord, would you create an atmosphere uh, where our hearts are rent towards you, where we are in a posture to receive what you have for us. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you make it easy for me to preach? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So we're um, currently in, in a uh, in-between zone. Uh, we just wrapped up a series uh, a couple weeks ago, which was pretty good timing, I think. We, it was, the series was on how to have hard conversations and, and be peacemakers in a difficult time. So hopefully we can take that and go into to the world today and tomorrow and the next day and begin to bring uh, peace where it's so deeply needed. And so now we're taking uh, a little bit of time and uh, before we begin our, our fall series. And so as we were preparing uh, for today, um, you know, I began to think we, we have a couple of different values uh, that drive our Sunday uh, morning worship experience. We're, we're a value-driven church. We're, there are values that we hold very closely to that, that really everything else revolves around. And, and if we're honest, we're all value-driven people, and we all, uh, we all have values that uh, either maybe are spoken or maybe they're unspoken. And a lot of times they're less intentional, but they're values nonetheless, and our, our lives seem to revolve uh, around those values. And uh, it's interesting about, about our values is that, you know, we can say that we want to have one thing as a value, but what you can really see what we do value is, is in our actions, is how do we make space for certain things. And so, you know, we can say that we value, we value hard work and achievement, and then we can really actually value fun and relaxing. And we'll center our life around that and, and wonder why we're never able to get stuff done because we value achievement. But really, we value fun. And that's okay. We just need to know what, what our values are. We need to know what, what is, is driving our action and do we need to, to change our values? Do we need to reevaluate? Our values, but we all have values. 
And one, one of the values that we have here, uh, specifically in regards to, to Sunday uh, and Sunday morning and for preaching, is that we, we, we believe that we should preach and minister out of an overflow of a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's out of what the Lord is doing in me that I begin to come here and, and say, hey, listen to what the Lord's doing. Listen to what the Lord's showing me, as opposed to just saying, hey, uh, we're going to learn about this today. It's more so of this active relationship. It keeps me very close to him. Uh, and it keeps me very much after what he's doing. And so we, we just have that value. And, and we have the value that whatever we, we bring here, hopefully is actually a reflection of what the Lord is doing. Anytime I ever speak on anything, uh, I've either just gone through it and currently going through it or am about to go through it. It's really interesting. So I'm never actually preaching at anyone other than myself, which is, uh, which is fun and painful. And there's a lot of times where I, we, I mean, that's not to say that we don't plan. We know what we're going to be preaching on around this time next year. Uh, but it's amazing that the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be spontaneous all the time. He can actually think ahead too. And, and he can prepare things. And then when I come to it, I'm like, man, I can't talk about this. this don't you remember what happened last week? And it's actually kind of how he wants it. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting value that, that, has been, um, that has been fueling this time. So this, this is absolutely out of that. And, and we, have, uh, we were on vacation, and it was a time to just relax. And, and as I was spending time with the Lord, I felt like um, he reminded me of another value that we have. And, and, and another value that we have, when we started this church, I, I, I haven't started a church before, and so I didn't know what all that entailed, and I'm, I still don't. And so really, it's, I'm not good. I'm just dumb enough to actually agree to do something that I'm way over. Uh, in my, I'm, it's way over my head. But uh, as you start a church, it's interesting. Everyone asks you, what is the target demographic that you're going after? Which I thought was a really weird question to be asked about a church. And so, but these were people that, that knew what they were doing and they would constantly ask, and, you know, who are you trying to reach and how are you going to get people to come and, and all of that. And my answer was, look, I didn't really want to do this in the first place. It was the Lord that, that made me do this. And, uh, and so I'm just going to let him worry about that. And, but I really wrestled with that question. I got that question two, three times a day sometimes. How are you going to get people? Where are you going to get them from? And, and how's that going to work? And, uh, and so I, I, was, I was wrestling with that and praying with that with the Lord. And he brought me to a verse in Luke 10 where it's talking about the harvest. And Jesus looks out and he says, The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. And so he showed me through that and, and through a couple other things. It's, it's really, it's his harvest and there's no end to it. It's, it's his and it's plentiful. And he doesn't say to figure out a way to, to get the harvest in. He said, pray, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more workers. And it dawned on me through that time that it's, it's his harvest. And he's the one that's been growing it. He's the one that has, has planted the seeds. He's the one that is cultivating it, that's, that's picking it. And actually, he's the one that's bringing it. So the, so the question isn't, how are you going to grow your church? Or, or how are you going to get people to come? The question really is, what are you going to do if and when he brings them? What are you going to do with the people that he brings because they're his? It's his harvest. And so we've been you know, crazy about, about making sure we're ready for when people get here. Building systems and having things in place. And, and there are things we have in place right now that, that's focused on that. There are dreams that we have that we haven't been able to do, but we know we're going to do them because it's so important for us that we take his harvest and we steward it well. And, and I'm from the south, and I think of harvest, I think of cotton, and I think, who, who is going to take the cotton that he's bringing, and who's going to turn it from cotton to blue jeans? 
And he's not looking for someone that's just going to leave it on, on the side. He's not looking for someone that's just going to, to neglect it. He's looking for someone who's going to steward the harvest that he brings. And so he was reminding me of that value. And, and he said, you know, that's good. You did, you did a great job on picking up that, but you're only half right. And, and I was thinking about it. He said, he said, if it's my harvest, then I'm bringing them. And so not only do you need to be ready for the people, but you need to be ready for me. And that, that was kind of interesting to hear because apparently that means I'm not ready. And he said, that, he said a couple of things. He said, I, I'm going to begin to come. And I was walking on the beach and, and, I, and, and he drew my attention to a wave. And he said, just like one of these waves that are crashing on the shore, my presence and, and, and my authority and my power is getting ready to come in a very fresh and new way like you've never seen here. Will you be ready? And if we're not ready, then I'm betting that he won't come. Just like the people won't either. And so that was, uh, that was interesting to hear because that means a couple things. One, it's exciting. The Lord is coming. And, and, and it's kind of like this get ready. It's an excitement thing. But it's also challenging because apparently we're not ready. Apparently I'm not ready. And so I, I kind of spent the rest of the week praying into that and, and thinking about that and, and honestly repenting and, and doing all of these things. And so I felt like today and, and next week and, and, and probably the week after, we're going to talk about how, how do we get ready for God to come? What do we need to do? Because he's coming. Now, even saying that he's coming is a little bit challenging. It's, it's a little interesting to think about the idea of God coming. Isn't he, you may be wondering, omnipresent? Isn't he everywhere all the time at once? And so if he is everywhere all the time at once, how can he come again or separately or how does that work? And he is actually omnipresent. That's, that's not something we're arguing. It's, this, it's something the church fathers have believed uh, since the history of the church. God is everywhere. He's always doing a million different things and we're aware of maybe two of them, I think, as Piper says. And so we're, we're always looking and wondering and, and, and seeing God doing different things. He's literally holding the universe together. He's holding uh, all of the molecular strands together somehow in his grace and in his goodness. But even so, we see through Scripture, just casually reading through Scripture, that he actually does come in unique ways as well. And so on the one hand, he is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once, all the time. But on the other hand, he actually does come uniquely at a specific place, a specific time, for a specific reason and instance. We can see this in Genesis, before the fall. God actually came to earth and, and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, a specific place, a specific time. Now, he, it doesn't mean he wasn't everywhere at once, but he was also there as well. He's God. He can do that. And if I'm able to wrap my brain around how God works, he's probably not big enough. So we see it in Genesis. We see it in Abraham, where God calls Abraham. We see it in, in Moses, in Jacob, in, in, in the Ark of the Covenant. His presence is resting in a specific place, in the temple. It's where his presence is. We see it in the New Testament. We see it with John the Baptist proclaiming, prepare the way. And God came like, like no one had ever even imagined in the form of a, of a child. Specifically, for 30 odd years, he came specifically in the flesh. And no one imagined that. And then we see where Jesus ascends to the throne. He actually also visits people as well. We see that in Peter. 
We see that in the upper room in Acts. We see that in Paul in his Damascus experience where, where the Lord actually comes in a unique, fresh way for that moment in time and his presence and the encounter with his presence changes things. So the Lord actually does, the scriptures really do say that he absolutely comes in unique ways and that doesn't negate the fact that he's omnipresent. And I would even say that we sometimes, out of our lack of of, of wanting or, or whatever, but sometimes we, we use the omnipresence of God to give us an excuse or maybe allow us to not necessarily think about the idea of actually meeting with God, of actually meeting with him and in his presence, encountering his actual presence. We sometimes, I sometimes, use this idea of an omnipresent God, a God who's everywhere, to say, well, he's everywhere. I'm always meeting with him somehow. But yes, that's true. And, but he also wants to meet with us uniquely. And so I I think that that's what the Lord is pulling us towards, is saying, I want to have a unique move here. And and I want to to come here in a unique way. Will you get ready for me? So as I was thinking about this, as I was kind of wondering and praying and searching the scriptures and and, and looking into this, I I actually was led to to a certain passage in uh, in Matthew uh, 18.20. I don't have it on the slide. You can find it on your phones or in your Bible. Matthew 18, 20. It's a pretty common scripture. That's why I didn't put it up there. But in this scripture, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and he's telling them uh, about, uh, about what he's going to do when he's away and how it's going to work out. And he actually says uh, that if two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I will be among them. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to go, and they're a little bit freaking out about that, and he's saying, don't worry, if you guys actually gather in my name, I'll be there among them. So just a quick, a quick word study into this, uh, if you're looking at how the words were made from, from the Greek and translated, uh, the word that, the, that Jesus uses for name is actually not just like a surname, it actually stands for everything the name, that the name represents, Everything that is associated with the name, everything that the name stands for, that's the, the word that he used. And so it's more of in the name of like a king that comes as opposed to in the name of like Grant. And so he's saying that, that if you gather together in my name, I'll be there. And so I began to, to think about that. And, and it struck me that it's probably easy, it's probably at least possible that we can actually gather together in another name. That when we come together, even on a Sunday, even in a church, even in Nashville, that we can actually come together in another name. We can come together in the name of routine. We can come together in the name of religion. We can come together in the name of socializing, in the name of kind of assuaging the guilt from Saturday night. We can come together for a lot of reasons and believe we're coming together in the name of Jesus, but his name really isn't anywhere to be found, at least not what he stands for. And so if it's possible that we can come together Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in someone else's name, believing that maybe we really are coming in Jesus' name, why else would we be in church? But there's so many different reasons that draw us here that have nothing to do with Jesus. 
And as we worship, as we sing worship songs, we can sing worship songs because the guy next to us is singing the worship song and we don't want to feel like we're standing out. So yeah, we'll sing along. Because it's kind of weird, right? We're all singing the same thing. It's the only place you really do that. And we can worship for that reason or sing for that reason. We, we can sing because we like that song and oh, it moves me, it's one of my favorites. There's so many different reasons and, and ways that we can come together as a church in other names. Which means that if we do that, he's probably not here because we're not gathering in his name. And so Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for years, we can do this. And wonder why nothing ever seems to change. Wonder why we're the same person we were last year, or maybe a little worse. Or wonder why things don't seem to be able to be broken through. Where are the chains that are breaking? We seem to have more chains now than ever. And we can fool ourselves, or we can become fooled, into actually gathering in a name other than Jesus. I think it happens all the time. And so we have to understand that, that if we do this, we're going to miss him. It wasn't, it wasn't religious routine. It wasn't knowledge. It, it wasn't any of those things that came and changed the murderous, religious, fanatic Saul to Paul, the heartfelt missionary who gave his life for the gospel of love and peace. It wasn't knowledge that did that. It was an encounter with the actual presence of Jesus that knocked him off his donkey. That's what changed him. The change comes from an experience of being in the presence of God Almighty. And over and over and over again, we look in the scriptures and you want to see how change happens. You want to see where the power to change is in the presence. And so often I feel that we, we gather and we have gathered here in the name of routine, in the name of it's what we're supposed to do. And we've missed an opportunity, an open invitation for 2,000 years that we've missed this opportunity to actually experience a no kidding encounter with the risen Savior. But there is actually hope. Because if we actually understand that we can gather in his name and he will be there, then we can meet with him. You see, if we're, if we're used to gathering and we're not encountering, then we're never expecting the encounter. We're just expecting to do this thing and then go get brunch. And what he's actually looking for is, is a group of people that is actually willing to expect to meet him. In fact, I, I think it is actually in the expectation that we prepare the way that we prepare for the encounter, that we prepare for the meeting. It's the expectation. It's believing that we'll actually have a chance to meet him. Jesus says something else that's pretty interesting. He says in Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. So here's Jesus. And he's saying, not only if you gather together in my name, I'll be there, but he's saying, whatever it is you're looking for, whatever it is you're seeking, you will find it. 
And that's applicable for a million different reasons and, and, and different things. But it's very applicable here because if we're looking for him, if we're expecting whatever we're making room for, apparently we'll get. And we, we see this all the time, right? I mean, if you're looking for a bad day, you typically find it. And if you're looking to meet and encounter Jesus, he says that you'll find it. It's the expectation of wanting to gather with him. It's the expectation that if we do gather under his name, then he will, no kidding, meet us there. It's that expectation that draws almost the presence of God because we've created a space for him. We've created room for him. And he feels so welcome because we're expecting it. Whatever it is we seek, we'll find and so the question doesn't become, will we have a chance to meet with Jesus? The question is, do we actually believe what Jesus says? And if we do believe what Jesus says, like really believe it, if we, if we value it, and not just say we value it, if we really value it, then what will happen is we'll begin to make room, we'll prioritize our lives, we'll begin to change the way this works and understand that when we gather here on a Sunday or when we gather on Monday in small groups or whatever it is we're gathering together in the name of Jesus. And by the way, if you are gathering in the name of Jesus with a heart of expectation, then you are gathering in the name of Jesus. If you're believing that he will be there when you gather, then you will gather in his name. And if you don't believe he'll be there when you gather, you're gathering in someone else's. And it's this belief, it's this expectation that is drawing us towards an encounter with Christ. An encounter with Jesus. Not just an emotion. Not just something that happens. I mean, like a no kidding. He, he didn't say it. It's interesting, if you continue to parse out those words in the Greek, when he says that I'll be there, that word there means there physically like there Jesus is telling us it's crazy I know but he's saying it that if we gather together in his name believing that he'll be there he will be there Jesus that's amazing and it's an invitation to begin to understand that this is not just about this room it's not just about the songs. It's not just about what happens afterwards. It's not just about anything. That we're actually creating a potential space that we can literally, maybe even physically, have a visitation from the Lord Almighty. What would we do if we believed what Jesus said? Instead of just say we believe. What would we do if we valued the words of Jesus as truth and not just said we value them? Again, I'm preaching to myself. When we, when we first started this church, there was you know, six, six of us, 12 of us, something like that. And, and nobody, and it's not supposed to be any different, but nobody cared about it more than me. Which means I was the first one there. I was the last one to leave. I was setting things up. And, and I would get so in, involved and consumed with that that by the time I actually got up to where church started, I wanted to quit every time. Not a great recipe, for preaching and starting a church. And even still, like, like even like today, like I can get my mind on the business of church, on is this right, is this going right, and all of this sort of stuff, and miss the whole reason we're here. Miss the whole reason we're doing this. 
The reason I didn't want to start a church is because there's so many really good churches. And there is no way I can be better than them. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have, like, the coolest look. I don't even have any tattoos. How am I ever going to be able to compete with these guys? But it was through the Lord's grace and his kindness that he said, that's not what I want. And so as we're here, as we're coming together, as we continue to come together, we, we need to be, begin to believe Jesus. We need to, to actually believe what he says. And he says that if we come together in his name, he will be there in the midst of us. What if we expected to meet him when we came? And, and listen, it's not like a hard thing. It's not like sometimes he waits on us to do that year after year after year, and then all of a sudden, you guys earned it, here I come. That's not how he works. We look at this parable of the prodigal son. You remember hearing about that? And it's the father, it's a representation of God. And, and both the kids, they leave, they run away, and, and one of them actually stays, but his heart turns away, and one of them literally leaves. And, and both of them forget that his father has been there the whole time. He's been waiting for them to encounter what they already had. And the, the, the one that runs away, he, he turns back around, not even for good reasons. Like he doesn't, he's not sorry for it. He's not repentant. He just doesn't want to die. And so he comes back and the father runs to meet him. He's so quick and he's so good. We're not going to have to come expecting the next two or four years until God finally says, now I deem you worthy. He's saying, would you please for once believe me that I'll be there? Because I'm waiting. I'm waiting. He wants to meet with us way more than we want to meet with him. In fact, a lot of times we don't want to meet with him. Because we know you can't stay the same. So what would our world look like? What would this place look like? What would what we're doing look like if we believe Jesus enough to just start expecting him to be here when we showed up? to expecting him to be here on, on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday small group. Whatever it is where we gather and we know there's other people that, that bow their knees to the name of Jesus, wherever that is, if it's in a coffee shop, whatever, what if we came there expecting God to be there? What if we opened our eyes in the morning expecting an encounter with the living God as opposed to just doing another day? Maybe trying not to sin as much. I don't know. That seems to be all the room we have is just, can we just do a little bit better? Can things go just a little bit better? We have another value here. And this one permeates through our veins and everything that we do. And our value is, is that God believes in our dreams. He believes in us more than we believe in him. And his dreams for us are far larger than anything that we can ever ask or think. We believe for the impossible. So much so that, that we, we honestly, some of us, are crazy enough to actually think that we can make a difference in the world. Not just the neighborhood, not just the city, but the whole world. But the only way we can ever do that is if we first encounter Jesus. There's another interesting story uh, that happened in Acts. And this was right after Jesus had, had ascended to the throne. He had gone and he said, go wait for me. And, and about a hundred or so folks gathered together and they were scared and they were in this upper room of a house. They were in an attic and it was hot and they were praying because they didn't know what else to do. And they were saying, Lord, would you help us? 
That's a good prayer. Help us. And all of a sudden, what happened was that Jesus promised came true. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God came and descended on them. The dunamis, dynamic, dynamite power of the Holy Spirit that could in no other way be characterized other than fire resting on their head. So strong was the encounter that that they began to become changed and they stumble out of this room and they begin to proclaim things that they didn't even know they could proclaim in languages that they didn't know that they had. And there's a really interesting scripture in 4.13, Acts 4.13. And it says, now that when they saw the crowd, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took note concerning them because they had been with Jesus. It wasn't because of what they said. It wasn't because of what they did. It wasn't because of the anointing they had on them. They could tell, they could smell, they could feel the presence of God was on them so strong. They had been with him. They'd met with him. And those ignorant, unlearned men began a movement that changed the world that we're still participating in today because they met with Jesus. What can happen if we believe that we can meet with him as well? What would happen if we went to our offices, to our schools, to wherever we are, our spheres of influence on Monday, and people took note of us because we had must have met with something. We met with Jesus. Because when you encounter God, you, you can't hide that. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be studied in apologetics. You don't have to quote C.S. Lewis. You just smell like God. And that's enough. He's inviting us into that. And I don't know why. But he says we can. And so we're going to begin to sort of reorient and reprioritize and add on to that value of what are we going to do when people get here? We're going to begin to think, what are we going to do when God gets here? We're going to pay more attention because honestly, it's my bad. And so I've had to spend some time repenting, and guess what we're talking about next week, about why we're not ready. And we're going to reorient how we do things on Sundays. We're going to reorient how we do things throughout the week, how we we think about this. We're actually going to begin to believe that we can gather in his name. So some of us, when we started this morning, we're showing up 30 minutes early, not late. -er. 30 minutes early, like 9.30 because we technically start at 10, even though we've never done it. And we're, so we're showing up at 9.30, and we're going to pray and just ask the Lord, would you, would, you, would you clean our hearts? Would you make a way? Would you make us want to believe that we can gather in your name? Would you give us that belief? Because we can't conjure that up. We can't believe in him enough. He has to give that to us. And we're going to pray for other people, that other people would actually be drawn into a no-kidding encounter with the presence of God. And that lives don't begin to grow, they begin to change, fundamentally, to the core. Life-altering, mind-bending, paradigm-shifting change that only happens when you encounter the presence. 
You can struggle with different sins and different addictions and different things for years and years and years and wonder why are these chains not breaking because it's not, you're not gathered in the name of Jesus. It's under the name of Jesus that the chains get broken. Why? Because you encounter the presence. And when you encounter the presence, you encounter the power. So that's open at 9.30 because we're gonna begin to believe that we're gonna come together and expect to no kidding, meet God. And I don't know what that's gonna look like. I don't know what it's gonna mean. It's gonna be uncomfortable when he comes because he typically doesn't care about our comfort. Not in the way we do. And there's potentially room that we're not gonna have even language or a paradigm for what's happening. That's scary. But if he's in control, I think it'll be all right. So, I'd like for you to join us in this quest to begin to actually expect to meet God. To expect to encounter the actual presence. Not just the knowledge. Knowledge is great, but it should lead us to an encounter. And so, we're, we're going to take some time to pray. Because... Um, we believe that God is here. We're expecting him to do something as we pray for each other. And so we're, we're going to take some time and worship and be quiet. And we're going to have people that are come and they're ready for, for, for praying for you. They've been preparing to meet you. Because we believe that the Lord wants to do something unique today. And so we're going to take some time and, and, and ask the Lord, would you come? We expect to meet with you. Because whatever name we gathered when we first came in, we're just going to throw that aside and say, hey, can we, can we try gathering in your name to see if you'll be there? He likes to show himself. He likes to run towards us. So let's stand. We're going we're to worship just a little bit, and we're going to open up a time for prayer. And so if those of you that are on our ministry team can come down and and get ready. We don't have, a lot of times we have specific words. Healings for legs, healings for shoulders, stuff like that. And uh, we see that a lot. But um, today we, we only had a few. And one was that the Lord was getting ready to unlock a, a, new, a new destiny, a new path. And we think it's because he wants to meet with us because that's typically what happens when he's encountered. So Father, we just thank you so much that you're so good that you really do want to meet with us. And then we don't have to, to show ourselves worthy of, of you meeting with us that as soon as we gather under your name, you'll be there. So, Lord, we're expecting to meet with you. Would you reorient our values that we value and encounter with you above everything else? That we situate our life around the idea that we can literally meet with you. That Jesus paved the way, made access available to come to your throne. Would those values begin to rise? Would they settle deep within us? And we're sorry for, for the reasons we came. 
because it's what we're supposed to do, because it's just what you do on Sunday. We're sorry for that. Would you help us to have a new heart that looks for you, that expects you, longs for you? So Lord, would you meet with us today? So we're, we're gonna sing and worship again under the name of Jesus. And then we're gonna invite anyone who needs any sort of prayer, please come forward and, and we'd love to pray with you for anything. For all upcoming events, for more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.